You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 115, featuring the 2020 Carlisle Chrysler Nationals. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, join us for the recap of the weekend spent enjoying the 2020 Carlisle Chrysler Nationals. Known to be the world's largest, most influential Mopar event, thousands descended upon the fairgrounds to celebrate all eras of the brand. From the sound of the Hellcat Hemis tearing up the track for Dodge Garage ride-alongs, to the purr of the classic DeSotos, to the futuristic lines of Fort Plymouths, to the chrome of Chrysler's, the show offered it all. It's time to go far with Mopar. So, let's get revved up. Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and this is episode 115. It is great to have you back with us again this week. In moments, we'll be sharing some highlights from the Carlisle Chrysler Nationals Car Show. Remember, this is your podcast. Together, it's all about car community and car culture. Did you know that you can definitely help us to improve the podcast through your valued, welcomed feedback? Just send that to carsofcarlisle at outlook.com. I can tell you I personally read every single email and I truly welcome any input you have, feedback, content suggestions, anything that we can do to make your podcast stronger and better. Additionally, there is another way, and it's equally important, that you can help us support your favorite automotive podcast, and that's through PayPal. And we have set up that so that you can go and donate whatever you feel is appropriate. That'll help us do some more travel, get to more places, uh, dig deeper into finding better content in this, the greatest hobby and industry that we all appreciate. You can go to paypal.me forward slash cars of Carlisle. Take the opportunity right now while listening to the show even. Support your podcast and help us grow for you. That's at paypal.me forward slash cars of Carlisle. Let's shift gears now to this week's trivia question. And it is this, where did the brand name Mopar get its start? That answer awaits us at the end of the episode. So let's go to the studio phone where Mike Garland, who is the public relations manager for Carlisle Events, he's ready to give us his wrap up on the Carlisle Chrysler Nationals 2020. Mike, take it away. Thanks, Darren. It was another great car show weekend at Carlisle and the weather definitely cooperated with us. The Carlisle Chrysler Nationals are in the bag for 2020. And between our special guests like Herb McCandless and Christy Lee and Dave Ray and the Golden Commandos. The list just goes on and on. People were really excited. It felt like a normal car show weekend. And then, of course, we were spotlighting the AAR and TA, the, uh, the, the Plymouth Superbirds. We had two Superbirds that kind of had a Hollywood pedigree, if you will. One of them was owned personally by Richard Petty. And the other was driven by Jerry Seinfeld in an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And not only did Jerry Seinfeld drive it, but Will Ferrell was in the passenger seat. So you had 
probably 22, maybe 2,300 cars at the event this year. And everybody that came really did have a good time. So between checking out the cars and the automotive flea market, and then of course Dodge with their Hellcat thrill rides, man, if you have never experienced a Hellcat thrill ride with Dodge, you've got to do it. So that is Chrysler weekend in a nutshell. And after, I guess, a weekend or two away from the car show excitement, we're going to be back at it for three out of four weekends beginning at the end of July. We have the Carlisle Ford Nationals July 31st through August 2nd, the Carlisle Truck Nationals August 7th through the 9th, and the Carlisle Import and Performance Nationals August 14th through the 16th. So, so much between those three shows. I won't even begin to get into them right now. But for Ford lovers, it's going to be a good time. We can confirm that Ford is bringing their brand new F-150 truck. The 2021 F-150 is coming to Carlisle. Not too many people have seen this thing yet. So if you want to see the F-150 pickup truck that's coming onto the market here in the near future, you need to get out to Carlisle at the end of July. You can check out all the advanced arrival info at carlisleevents.com. You can check out our COVID-19 health safety measures at carlisleevents.com. You can purchase spectator tickets at carlisleevents.com. And of course, if you'd like to be part of any one of our events, you can register to show at carlisleevents.com. Get me? All right, man, thanks a lot, and have a good rest of the show. Well, guys, we, Scott and I here, we're getting ready to leave the, uh, the media parking lot at uh, Carlisle Events and finishing up the Chrysler Nationals 2020 for the day. Any thoughts, Scott? Tons more people than when we were here for the uh, Chevy Nationals. Tons of people. Yeah, it's, it's a different field than the GM, and, and one's not better than another. It's just uh, the turnout is exceptional. I, all sides of the, of the fairground property, I mean, up on the hill, everything... There are cars everywhere. Great turnout. Amazing energy. That's what I would say. Just it's great energy. And people still, you know, taking care to to respect the social distancing and everything. Carlisle Events still doing an amazing job with following up with all of that here, here and on that. promoting it. So yeah. it's, that's excellent to see because I think it's a good balance of being able to kind of get back to some normalcy. Yep. Everywhere from the grandstand bathrooms to just uh, all the, the tents and uh, the, you know, uh, the various... The uh, ride-alongs. Yeah, the ride-alongs. The Dodge Garage... Uh, the sign-up area, everyone really doing their part and keeping the social distancing and keeping your hands to yourself and clean and all that. But just really good energy here at the Chrysler Nationals. Got to talk to some buddies that uh, are here with their own vehicles, former guests, what have you. Talked, met, yeah, met a new friend, Al Levine from Long Island. Uh, just really cool, cool people. Yeah, amazing. And the uh, and the tents of people that are here, we stopped in a couple of the parts tents, a couple of the, uh, of the different... Um, merchandise tents and yeah. everybody is so happy to be here yeah. so uh, again it's kind of getting back to something that they were looking forward to but also something that people kind of needed socially it's well, uh, yeah people mark their calendars and plan for this years in advance and uh, hotels and their vacation schedules and if they own their businesses making sure they have coverage and it's uh, great that Carlisle Events was able to marshal on with this and, and the fact that uh, it's so well received and everyone made it back to Carlisle. Well, and I think that even Al mentioned it in the interview that you had with him about, which I didn't even think about, was uh, a lot of the people from Canada that come down to this. I mean, Good huge point, yeah. amounts of people coming to the shows and they can't make it. Can't so get across the border right now. Even seeing with that, you know, diminished amount of people coming from Canada here, mm -hmm. there's still a good turnout. It's great. It it, well, the weather's helping, but yeah. yeah so congratulations to uh, everyone at Carlisle Events and Ed Bezeski, as always. You are revered in the Mopar world. Great job on your show. And, and to Mark Garland... Uh, Lance Miller, Bill Miller 2, Bill Miller 3, and, and, and to all the team members at Carlisle Events, hats off to you guys. Great job. 
So I'm here with Al Levine, right? Yes, sir. Levine, okay. And I saw it. I mean, feel free to put a plug in too about Long Island needs a, a drag Long strip. Long Island does need a drag strip. Talk to strip. me about. Let's start with that, and then we we'll talk about Long the Long Island Mopars, which is a club I belong to. Mm-hmm. And then you have the this tent is for B bodies only, mm-hmm. and then also Mopars, which is a Mopar oriented forum. Okay. And just there was. I mean, did they close the strip down? Because there was a Friday night. We usually have a Mopars versus the world. Okay. Um, about 20 minutes from here, there's a drag strip that was uh, it's called South Mountain Raceway. Yeah, yeah. And for a short time, the owners that bought it a few years back changed it to quarter races. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they went out of business. They closed up. So that track was empty for two years. And at the end of the two-year period, a gentleman from Long Island, a friend of mine, Mike Natoli, bought South Mountain Raceway. And a bunch of guys from Long Island came down. They trimmed all the trees. They took care of all the property to get it ready. They had new electronics being installed, you know, for the scoreboard and the 60-foot clocks and all that. The gentleman who was doing it, the install, passed away a week before Carlisle. So we still raced there, but what they did was they had two kids down at the end of the track, and whoever got there first, they raised the flag. Very subjective. You know, I mean, personally, I'm not a competitor. I'm an exhibitionist. Right, right. You know, so, but I, hey, in a hot day at, uh, at the mountain, I went 640. That's not, that's wow. not so terrible. Wow. Are you running tomorrow? No. no. Tomorrow is my, my travel home day, so okay. I'm probably going to pull through there only because my, you know, I know so many people there. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to beg me to unload, but it's, the car's not really race ready. I didn't prep myself this weekend. Yeah. Because once I found out that Friday was done, it gave me a different mindset. Of course, yeah. You package your, your trip a little differently that way. Well, I had to tell you, I, I followed you probably an eighth of a mile around as you were parking because I just, I the can sound cut of it around drew me all like a, you know, the afternoon <laughs> and my temperature gauge barely goes over 180. Wow. So you super, I mean, your cooling has got to be over the top. <laughs> if you take a look at the cooling system on my car, it consists of a $200 AFCO radiator and a $135 spall fan. <laughs> I hear these guys, I read about these guys, they buy these cooling systems for $1,400, $1,500. It's all aluminum encased with shroudings and trap doors, and they can't get their cars to run cool. I don't know. Maybe it's just my combination. Right, right. Or maybe it's just my luck of the ratios for the water pump. You got it. You have it nailed down. Well, tell us about the 63 Belvedere. I mean, I'm going to have pictures out on our Instagram, but okay. I mean, the well, car it's, is just badass. It's a 63 Belvedere, Plymouth Belvedere. I bought the car approximately 30 years ago, and when I bought it, it looked like a, a, a Max Wedge clone. Okay. It's the easiest way to explain it today because everybody knows what a clone and a tribute and a recreation are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I describe it as a clone, but back when I bought the car, they didn't even use the word clone for sheep yet. <laughs> that's true. That's All right? good way to say it. And, and for the guys that know me a long time, you know, it's... A, the car has metamorphosized through the years, uh-huh. being a max wedge, a, you know, a wedge motor with a max wedge scoop. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a tunnel ram. That was my first experience with cutting a hole in the hood. And then this was just a natural progression. You know, boost is a beautiful thing. I wish I did it 20 years sooner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the blower. But it has been blown now for about 20 years. You know, originally when I, when I had this motor built, it was done by Lou Vignonia from Vignonia Performance up in Wappinger Falls, New York. Okay. He was uh, the family of Superstock Racers. 
You know. Did I hear right? You were telling somebody it's a. I mean, it's an eight-second quarter-mile car, right? Uh, it, it's capable of going 850. Have I been there yet? No, because I'm just finishing a new edition that'll help me get there. So it's, I'm intercooling. Okay. Okay. So you know, intercooling with boost helps lower the intake air temperatures, which makes more power. Yep. Exactly. So, air. And I decided to, you know, you can intercool with water meth. That works for a lot of guys. But that's limited. That'll only take 40 to 50 degrees away from your IATs. Okay. My IAT with six pounds of boost on a warm day is 170 plus. So anything over 160, the performance falls off and you can throw all kinds of boost at it and it won't go no faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can intercool with a super chiller, which is more for boats. It actually bolts between the supercharger and, and the intake manifold. Okay. And it has cold water that runs through it. Gotcha. So they use them for boats. They're Marine called super based, chills. Yeah. Okay. To do that in a car, you need a, a tank in the trunk. That's <laughs> not going to work. You know, and I, I mean, I see these guys that run these. They, they have four-second yeah. door cars yeah. that have intercoolers, and they have an ice box inside the car. I wonder, and hopefully somebody could tell us someday, if they're in an event like Yellow Bullet, which is two or three days... Where do they get all this ice? Do they bring their own ice truck? You know, between rounds, you see them pouring four or five bags of ice. Where's all this ice coming from? How do you keep it cold on a 90-degree race day? You know, but I decided to go with nitrous oxide because nitrous with just a little baby shot under each carburetor, like 50 horsepower, it'll lower the temperatures, the intake temperatures, by 100 degrees. That's significant. So that means on a hot day, once I have the system running, where IATs normally would be 190 to 200 degrees, mm-hmm. mine's going to be like 80 or 90 degrees. It's a big difference performance. Major difference. Yeah. It's that dense air, like in the spring or mostly in the mm. fall, mm. that cold chill is it's in the crisp, air, yeah. and your car runs your, so your car well. Just chews it up. It's because yeah. the air is so dense yeah. that yeah. it makes your car run better. Absolutely. That's my favorite time to get on it. Very cool. Well, how long have you had the Belvedere? Uh, only about 30 yeah. years now. Only 30? Yeah. <laughs> only 30. <laughs> and it's, as I say, it's metamorphosized through the years, and it's morphed into this. Okay. Whatever this is. <laughs> it's, well, this is incredible, that's for sure. And it's a street car. I put probably close to 2,000 miles a year on it. And track, you know, when, when business is good, I might make the track five times in one year. This year, very bad. Now, what's, what's your business, what line of business are you in? I'm in the towing business. Okay. So with COVID in the beginning, the highways were empty. I'm from Long Island. Long Island Expressway has a, uh, a reputation, like you know some of the freeways in California. The expressway was empty. I know guys that went into Midtown Manhattan, where it's usually packed at any time of the day or night, and they went in there just with their cars to take pictures, like on 42nd Street or in the middle of Times Square, and nobody's there. Empty. That's unusual. Oh, this is uh, an event that'll change our lives forever, mm-hmm. for sure. one way or the other. Well, I have to say, uh, we covered the shows, and the, the show field today is significantly larger than it was for GM. I mean, it just goes to show. Oh no! Mo- the, if Mo- you Park if you check with Ed, who runs yeah. Carlisle oh, yeah. Events, he'll Zesky let you. Is, he's the man. Uh, you know, uh, Chrysler Carlisle is the biggest event. And why, you know, with all the baloney that's going on, I'm not called baloney, but, you know, with uh, social distancing and all that, it would be hard to put on a show like this. But Chrysler, um, I'm sorry, Carlisle Events knew 
they can't postpone this event. There's so many people that plan their vacation around this every year, and we have people coming from... Another thing that we're missing is all our Canadian friends. Okay, they couldn't come over the border. They have to account, if I had to guess, minimum of 500 people mm -hmm. sure. that come down here from Canada. Sure. Some come down with cars to show. Mm -hmm. Some guys come down to swap, but a lot of them just come down looking for parts. Yeah, right. This is the place. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that's the thing about, uh, in the Mopar community depends on this opportunity to be able to, to swap the parts and stuff. They're not maybe quite as readily available. No, not only that, area. The, the surrounding area of Carlisle, their economy runs off of Carlisle. Indeed. You know, Indeed. if there was no Carlisle, it would just be as a another native, one can, horse down. As a native, I can tell you, it's a huge revenue source. Massive. And for a lot of a lot of business. I mean, everything, restaurants, hotels, you name it. There's no doubt about that. So, definitely. I want to give you a final word. Anything more to tell us? Uh, you know, to plug about uh, the Long Island Mopar community or anything else that you'd like to put out uh, to my listeners? No. I mean, you know, it's it's taking its course. They're looking, they're looking at a few properties and... Uh, there's now a board that was appointed by the government to help us find a piece of uh, parcel okay. that we could build on. And personally, I'd be happy with an eighth mile if that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would like, there's there's space at the old Grumman facility in Calverton, Long okay. Island. Okay. It was an old airport with two runways. Oh, sure. Guys get in there at night and you got to see the amount of rubber. You just Google, <laughs> Google Earth it and okay. look at the rubber on the track. It's uh, the track. The runway. <laughs> yeah, those so aren't we've, airplanes. We've been bugging the town of uh, Riverhead, Calverton, to sell us that property for 15 years. And then, no, no. I mean, when the Navy gave that property to uh, to Riverhead for one dollar, they they gave them a list of what the approved usages could be, and one of them was automobile racing. Now there's enough room there. We were going to have a quarter mile track. A large NASCAR oval, because in Riverhead there's a short track mm -hmm. that's been there for a long time. We're not looking to step on anybody's toes. When you keep people a large safe, NASCAR track, okay, you know, if that ever happened, it would be a stop when they're going up to Watkins Glen, they stop off at the island. Testing. And another personal opinion is if we ever were able to build that sports facility, it would motivate New York and Connecticut to build not a bridge, a tunnel from Long Island to Connecticut so that in the winter time it'd still be a viable source of transportation. It would cut the traffic off at the George Washington Bridge tremendously because those poor guys that come from, from uh, New England that have to come here, they have to go down and come over the Frog's Neck Bridge. Because I don't think you can get a tractor trailer on the on the tug on the uh, the ferry. No, and if you could, yeah. the, uh, the price would be phenomenal. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. And to so, keep people off the streets, to keep it, I mean, everyone safe. Here I am, um, and I and I one of my highlights of my Carlisle weekend is drag racing on Friday night. So I was really disappointed. I found out that they are having a race tomorrow, Sunday. They are not. They are. Oh, they are. It's uh, some kind of race or reunion type deal. So when I you know when I leave here in the morning, I will buzz over to the track just to pull in. They're all gonna beg me to unload it. It ain't coming off. It's not race ready. So unless you know, I wanted, I was hoping to get my first five second time slip in the eighth, but it's not gonna happen. It's postponed once again. It'll happen. 
Oh, I know it will. Yeah, no spaces. Just, you know, with a little, with a little whiff of nitrous and, and you know, with six pounds of boost, I've, I've been 930. So that that 930 would probably turn into an 890 or an 880, and then eight pounds of boost will get me, you know, maybe an 850, maybe an 870. The 10 pound of boost, <laughs> you got it locked. It's probably an 830 or an 840. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's when I'm getting used to it. When they do this, <laughs> you can't do that. What do you mean I can't? I just did. <laughs> well, don't do it again. Oh, okay, that's different. All right, smack the knuckles. <laughs> I mean, there's other stories. There was once at Atco, I, I, after I had the motor apart and did a bunch of uh, upgrades to the car, I ran to the track. The cage was expired. My belts were expired. <laughs> Thankfully, my license was still good. <laughs> so I had to go to uh, to that little, have a little speed shop there and buy a set of belts. Okay. And they said, don't go faster than 10-0. <laughs> so my first pass, I just ran the eighth and jumped on the brakes. And it went like an 1160 or something like that. And my crew chief Joe says, uh, Al, run that thing out to the 1,000 mile mark and then jump on the brakes. Right. So I did that, jumped on the brakes, and it went like a 990. Okay. So after that, the next pass, I went all out and just put my foot on the brake to let them think that I was slowing down. Right. Just covered it. So there was a couple of nine, 940s and 960s in there that they weren't happy about. Uh, I'm trying to slow down. I mean, it's just getting away from me. That's yeah. It's a, <laughs> She's just at least I'm not bouncing off the walls. That's right. You're keeping it straight down the track. I mean, I've done that once. It's no fun. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, this is just a gorgeous car, and it uh, thank you. It drew my attention immediately. I followed around like a lemming. I was just like, I got, I got to talk to this guy. This is, the car has a following of its own. I believe it. The car's name, my, my wife names every vehicle in the fleet with okay. the uh, approval of my daughter, mm. all right? And uh, the name, this this particular car's name is Goliath. Oh. And that name was given to him 28 years ago. So now you see cars on TV and this and that called Goliath. This was already, uh, was in the tens when, they, when, when uh, it was named Goliath. It suits it. Well, thank you so much. We are back on behalf of the entire team at Cars of Carlisle. We hope you enjoyed this week's show, spending time with Mopar fans from all over. And it's so great to know that uh, we are here to be able to bring this to you right in our own backyard here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, USA. Now, it's time for the trivia question answer. If you recall, the question went like this. Where did the brand name Mopar get its start? Well, Mopar is essentially short for Motor Parts, and that acronym, they say, dates back to the uh, nearly 90 years to the 1930s. At that time, it was used as a line, uh, uh, advertising line for antifreeze products. It was trademarked, and those antifreeze products were manufactured by the Chrysler Motor Parts Corporation. And really, that nickname was uh, was born or hatched at that point. Uh, with that, the Chrysler Motor Parts Corporation, or CMPC, try to condense their name, and they were doing various things with logos, such as trying to bring Dodge, Chrysler, Plymouth, and DeSoto all into, an, into a singular uh, logo, and, and a lot of that became a bit confusing. So it seemed to make sense to take all these various names, the brands of Dodge, Chrysler, Plymouth, DeSoto, and bring that all under one single name. Then they found that Mopar made sense, and, and truly 
from there, it, uh, it the Genesis took off, and, and from the 30s forward, it uh, it became really the overarching umbrella for all things uh, through these products. So Mopar has uh, lasted ever since. So my friends, we have reached the end of this week's road trip. Cannot wait to have you come back and join us next week. Just remember that this is your podcast. We want to hear your voice. Again, email us at carsofcarlisleoutlook.com because together it's all about car community, car culture. So I'll end it with drive well, be well, take care.